Hello, you are listening to The Cinecast, a production of Cinephile Chicago, your weekly guide to uh, alternative film screenings in the Chicago area. I'm Ben Sachs, one of the managing editors of the site. With me is my spouse and fellow managing editor, Kat Sachs. Hello. Okay, that, that <laughs> took longer than I expected, but... You guys are um, the same space. And... How is this happening like this? He's in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, we're in different. Anyhow, um, if you have been to the Music Box Theater recently, um, you have seen a trailer for an upcoming excellent trailer uh, f- uh, for an upcoming series of films called Highs and Lows, and these are eight double features that will be going on at the Music Box throughout the month of February, and where. March. First half of March and the first half of March. Thank you, Cat. Um, which is uh, a combination of films that are one is traditionally considered a highbrow film, the other is traditionally considered a lowbrow film. But as we've been told, these films have a lot more in common than we are uh, inclined to think. Uh, some of the pairings are Dumb and Dumber and Itu Mama Tambien, um, Angus and Robert Brisson's Mouchette, uh, The Phantom of Liberty and Billy Madison. Um, and as we were just talking about before we started recording, um, Peggy Sue Got Married and The Last Temptation of Christ. Now, all of us at Cinephile have been really excited for this series, in part because it was co-programmed by one of our very own contributors, John Dixon, who's here with us today, along... Hi, John. And um, also with us is fellow programmer and friend of Cinephile, Will Morris. Hi. Programmer of the esteemed Music Box of Horrors. Yeah. So I, I, I have to start off and ask. Angus and Mouchette, which one's the high and which one's the low? I mean, Some of these you really can't tell. Angus is the high, Mouchette's the low. I was going to say, yeah. Easy. <laughs> One, hey, no, hot, hot news break. Uh, Patrick Reed Johnson, who directed Angus, uh, when the Music Box posted the original announcement about this, reached out, and so naturally we hit him up, uh, and he's going to record an introduction for us because he's so pumped uh, that his film is playing with Michette, so. Oh, that's very nice of him. I saw that. I saw his comment on on Instagram. I was going to be yeah. like, let's have him on the show too. Yeah. For oh, he's very. He answered me within thirty seconds. So reach out. <laughs> you know, I remember. Right now, that. we can get him on this. Yeah. <laughs> this and correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, but was Angus the first film released by Ted Turner's short-lived movie studio? As far as I know, yes. I believe so yeah yeah they they had a, a short run of films in the late 90s um <laughs> perhaps deservedly short um <laughs> wait i'm sorry are we starting this off you have a problem with ted turner um <laughs> no he's all right um but he he really liked those dramatizations of the civil war um sure. They also released uh, the the John Travolta as an angel movie, Michael. That yeah. movie, that's a banger. We'll go to bat for that that's one. on the next highs and lows. Yeah, that's on oh, the next highs. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. a great, a good movie. Yeah, yeah. You could we also have an idea to do movies, double pairings of movies that are like movies that like 
are very similar that got released very quickly with one another like you know michael and phenomenon uh capote and then that other truman capote movie (laughs) uh i think that's what it's called yeah we're gonna put we're gonna put lover of ted turner and the cia on the spot and ask john about what no one else can see but we can see is heat hat oh yeah heat well hat. Lay it down. number one i love okay let me just clarify i love ted turner i love <laughs> my, uh the roaring 20s color eyes those bangs um <laughs> uh the cia also bangs uh they rock uh, thank you for what you do um the, the the heat hat though is uh is a prized possession of moi um I, I guess you know the heat hat does not come from the studio that made heat it in fact comes from uh some sweet friends of mine who uh do a uh to a little design company called Boot Boys, which are a quite successful, used to be Chicago, New York based thing. So this is, this is the stuff, you know, I got, I wear their shit because I get sent it for free. So like my only clothes, um, but um, yeah, they're, they're getting involved with the highs and lows series. So maybe let's put it out front um, because Will and I want to make money um we have a shirt that is going to be made for highs and lows from boot boys it's very sick it looks incredible um so what how are we how are we taking payment will uh you know we're we're gonna heavy encourage cash only but uh if that's not an option hit me with that paypal friends and family option and in the comments put thanks for dinner Thanks for the drink. Because I don't know if, if y'all know, but uh, unfortunately, recently, this last year, PayPal has successfully uh, gotten in bed with the IRS. And uh, for people like me who sometimes have to sell movies to pay rent, if you use the goods and services option, it's now taxed. So, you know, hit us up for cash and friends and family option for the boot boys. High and, shirt. and they will go fast. They will go very fast. Their website sells out and usually under like five to 10 minutes for their drops. So So this will be the first time that Boot Boys has ever endorsed any public event. And it will be the first time that their merchandise is sold, not just on their website. So, you know. Yeah, and let's just give the pedigree. Let's give the little CV of these these mofos. They, uh, they're working with Frank Ocean currently, or they did uh they're they're responsible for a lot of really cool stuff so if you're a a person who loves art and culture and if you like if you like uh in my opinion kanye his best they did the artwork for the life of pablo so is it life of pablo they did frank ocean stuff yeah yeah so they're they're really (laughs) cool cool um so yeah if you want to be okay because the people listening to this are not probably hype beast uh people so if you're listening and you want to beat these trust fund, you know, MFs to, to the, to the stand, you should uh, listen up, get those $45, maybe $40. We'll see uh, ready. And you can have this, you, this shirt can be yours. 
It's long well, sleeve. Okay. Um, Honestly, I think we should just do like a bootleg cinema merchandise podcast. Like, uh, we don't we don't even need to talk about movies. Let's just talk about the merch. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, um, uh, I'm I'm really excited about the shirts, uh, <laughs> but maybe we should take a step back and and talk about how this series came into being. Um, what, yeah, I'm, what inspired sure. these double features? I will say I am looking at the Music Box website now and it seems like there's a story here because you do have at the bottom of like what's a really insightful, uh, almost essay in introduction, um, inspired by the City of Commerce drive-in screening of, of All Eyes on Me and 47 Meters Down and the mall's original series Highs and Lows. So it feels like there's a story there. Well. So it was uh, I, when I used to live in California, um, one of my buddies who I worked with, uh, we initially worked together at Cine Family, and then I imagine a lot of the listeners here know where that headed. So after you know, after all that went down, um, we uh, retained our friendship. I was at the time I was working as a secretary in some horrific uh, downtown LA location, and then also working print traffic for the American Cinematheque. And this guy, Mike Perry, uh, who runs Hollywood Entertainment, who is one of our uh, co-presenters. He couldn't uh, be here tonight. He's busy rewatching Troy Duffy's Overnight, he said. <laughs> yes. But he, uh, so yeah, we continued to, you know, we continued our friendship and uh, he was lamenting the fact that we weren't showing stuff together anymore. And uh, the I would say the classiest way to put it is there was a, what one might call a uh, a typical night in Los Angeles. It was snowing in LA. Where, yeah, where the, the rare thing happened, where it started to snow and uh, emotions were running high. People were excited. It kept yeah, snowing. No, something was running high, yeah. Something was running high. And we just started talking about something that was inspired by actually, um, I'm not going to bring it up directly because it gets dark, but Part of the Cine family world that we got so bummed on was uh, very loud and proud gatekeeping, right? And so there's a lot of times because Cine family was a nonprofit, and uh, so naturally lots of film students from UCLA or any of the other schools around were the people who were doing a lot of the grunt work for us at Cine family. And there was a moment, especially where we were having a conversation one day with myself and a couple of other programmers, and one of those volunteers came up and they tried to jump into the conversation and they were immediately eviscerated by certain programmers at this theater for not saying things, for not knowing the right things, for bringing up a movie that, you know, was not considered uh, to be respectable. And so that was kind of it, like combined with the night where it was snowing and this idea where we were really upset about people who were just excited about movies trying to climb into the scene, those things kind of coalesced and Mike and I started to have a conversation and we were like, what could we do? Uh, you know, what could we do to get rid of that divide, to get rid of the idea of a guilty pleasure existing, to get rid of the idea that you have to know which movies to talk about, to be respected or even talk to in a conversation with supposed cinephiles or, you know, just lovers of movies, whatever. Um, and so we started there and then 
uh, the a big kickoff was I read an interview with Tamara Davis, uh, who directed Billy Madison. Uh, and she talks about in that interview um, how much she gets sad that people miss out on how much of a surrealist comedy it is. And when she brings that up, uh, the I'd have to dig it up, but the interviewer, you know, basically just asks like, well, what do you mean? And she brings up uh, Louis Bunuel, right? And then she ultimately brings up uh, his comedies of a certain era, which include stuff like Fan of Liberty. And so I, as soon as I read that, I texted Mike, we, you know, went crazy for a couple of days and we then formed a film collective called The Mall, where we initially did highs and lows, uh, which I guess was, I want to say 2018. I forget. I'd have to look it up. Uh, but yeah. And then when we started talking about it, Mike was like, hey, this crazy drive in on the outskirts of L.A. showed uh 47 meters down, which we both were big fans of. And he was like, but they paired it with all eyes on me. And we were kind of floored and we were like, oh, like what a weird opportunity for people to find the connective tissues between these, you know, seemingly antithetical movies. Uh, and so, yeah, and that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of where it all started. And then we, and then we did it there and it went, and it went pretty well. Um, we ended up, no one would, uh, none of the bigger theaters in town per se would say yes to us. So we ended up doing it with a, a strange little theater called the Arena Cine Lounge, which I would not recommend <laughs> out in Los Angeles. But regardless of that, they gave us a shot and here we are today. So that's kind of, that's a little bit of the origin story. You know, um... So, somewhat tangentially, it may not be lowbrow humor exactly, but I've always thought that the the uh, the structure of the Phantom of Liberty is identical to any episode of Mister Show. Yes. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know the <laughs> the um, the the way the narrative will just discourse. Um, you know from. There, there's always like some connection from one segment to another, even though they're discrete stories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I mean, it's another yeah. link with, with American I, comedy there. I think the one thing Will is forgetting to mention is that this is how Will and I got to know each other. That's true. Will and I would not have known each other if there were any other uh, reason. Of course, there's a love story behind every great the, film program. Oh, there is. Will's being yeah. modest. He doesn't like to talk about our relationship on this, but I will. And um, unintended. Unintended. No one saw. No one saw Love Affair blooming. But um, I believe, yeah, you all were doing that, and I got a. I got hit up by our buddy Mike because you guys needed more ideas. And then we just, and I wasn't originally a part of it and I just got to watch it from afar and it was beautiful. Yeah. And what, uh, what Mike said was, cause I, for, I forget, I wish I could remember the specific double but there was something we were struggling with and we were like, we know we need to show this movie but we don't know for sure what the answer movie is yet. And Mike said, he was like, I've got a buddy out in Chicago. Uh, trust me, just, let me shoot him a text. And he told me, uh, he's like, he'll answer instantly. <laughs> Trust 
trust me. And sure enough, yeah, he, uh, you know, shot a text to John and John immediately came back with a flood of ideas, some of which actually fun. Some of the ideas John initially had, we didn't do in LA, but we are doing this time. Yeah, and some yep. might be uh, coming for part two. Yep. <laughs> High level, I'm thinking about the really the great trailer i think will did you edit that no I, I fucking wish if i edited that i would be a lot better at money um it's actually one of john's buddies cory cory pop oh yeah yeah. The cinematography. yeah um yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. it is it's 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 beautiful it's very beautifully edited um the trailer focuses very much on and i don't mean this you know in a diminutively but like you know kind of superficial mm-hmm similarities between the films like um with how Stella got a groove back and you know Ali here it's a soul it's the dancing motif uh but I assume there's more there to each of these like how you're connecting the two it's more than just these like momentary similarities and I'm curious to kind of hear how how you're thinking about all of these pairings as being similar films being connected yeah uh do you want to go first you go ahead Oh, um, I mean, I can only speak to like, I think a good example would be one of our very last um, choices for this. Uh, We were trying to figure out what we wanted to do for part one. And Will and I were texting just, you know, manically back and forth. And, you know, we have some fun ones uh, that I I don't want to say for part two. One involves Celine and Julie go boating in a certain movie. Um, and we were just like, okay, like, what are we going to do? And I don't know. I don't know if I was on the right substances or what, but I fired back how high in daisies. And I think like with something like how high in daisies, like there is not on the surface a lot that connects those movies. I mean, I don't think you're going to like, that's, it's, it's the weirdest one on the lineup, I would say. But I think like there's a certain sense of um, for that pairing, there was like a certain um, attitude to of anarchist cinema now. And I don't know. Well, let's just let's pump the brakes there. I'm not saying that like this is like Eros and Massacre. This is not like uh, Godard in his Maoist period. This is like it's um, a very, a very famous for all you Janice heads out there movie uh daisies um and then a movie directed by bob dylan's son jesse dylan how high and the spirit of that is just like you know what daisy's just a completely like revolutionary uh revolutionary formally innovative uh film but how high is a movie that just snuck into you know your local movieplex and it's method man and red man smoking their dead friends remains uh, so they can get into Harvard. And though there is not much that connects the two formally, I mean, Daisy's is the shocker. Daisy's is probably the superior film there, but um, there's a spirit of like anarchist humor and a complete disregard for the conventional hierarchies of society that just made a lot of sense when we were kind of figuring this out. 
So a lot of these things do not really share just like some like plot similarities or like thematic similarities. There's a, I don't know, there's a big vetting process that we seem to, I wouldn't say this is any highbrow, like serious, like vetting process. It's mostly us just texting back and forth, being like, all right, no, not this. We have to test them all. We have to test them all. We tell, and that's the, I think like part of the, part of the importance of the trailer landing upon um, what you mentioned as like potentially the surface similarities, right? Is where the goal is to get people in the door, right? Like we wanna, we wanna be like, we want people to watch that trailer and be like, oh my God, I've never thought about it, but Dumb and Dumber and Ituma Tambien actually maybe do have a lot in, uh, in common or EdTV and Symbiopsychotaxoplasm and all this stuff that we get them in the door. Um, but I think the gift that is offered and that even initially the first series we did in LA that me and Mikey were floored by so much. Um, the one that highlighted it the most, I think was actually uh, Peggy Sue Got Married in Last Temptation of Christ is that when both of us tested that double feature, cause that's the rule, right? If we're gonna do it, we have to test it ourselves. And when we both tested that double feature, we were wrecked, just wrecked for days, uh, like swimming in this, uh, what became like kind of one movie in some way about, you know, regret and looking back on your life and wishing you could change it, but the, also then embracing the choices that you did make and what came because of that. And uh, I think all of the double features that we have chosen for part one very much do fit that where out the gate and hopefully with the capsules, we have some stuff that people are like, okay, I'm curious why Angus and Machette are together or which, whichever one it, one it may be. Like, hopefully we get people to come, but I, I do think if people take the chance and watch both, they will be very surprised uh, because the, the true through line here is heart. <laughs> And, it, you know, as much as we fuck around and as much as we love to be shit kickers, the truth through we, we line... We don't do that. We're, we're deadly serious constantly. Yeah. <laughs> but the, like, the truth through line with all of it is, is there's an intense humanism, I think, to all of these double features. Um, and I think that is what is revealed if you take the chance in whatever order you want to. And I also, of course, want to mention to people, in case you didn't notice on the website, Every double feature plays twice and in a different order. I just noticed that. I was looking at the website. That's interesting. Yes. Well, and that's, that's that's part of the fun is because at the end of at the at the end of this, you know, I'm not speaking for John, I'm not speaking for Mike, but at the end of this, the hope is that, and it's not even confusion about which is the high and low. It's just a maybe even a shrug. <laughs> yeah. I you know, it's like it at if you watch these films in the different order, they play very differently and you notice really unique things that emerge within both films when you flip that order, um, you know, and none of it is wrong. That's kind of, that's kind of where we land at the end of the day. Like, yeah, where, wherever your heart lands, wherever your brain lands, like none of that shit is wrong. These are just movies that maybe you've seen before and you love, or maybe you haven't seen before and you're interested in, but at the end of the day, they speak to each other in a way that, you know, hopefully, again, continues to get rid of the idea that guilty pleasure should exist. 
Well, yeah. I want to invoke, um, you know, a couple of personal heroes, a couple of great critics. Um, you know, Film Comment for a long time had this column called Guilty Pleasures, where they'd invite a different uh, critic or filmmaker to list his or her guilty pleasures. Yeah. And one of my favorite critics, Robin Wood, uh, was, you know, got to do this at one point. I don't remember when this was. It could have been any time in the 80s, 90s, or 2000s. But he began by saying, I don't believe in guilty pleasures because that implies that there's guilt in feeling good. And um, he said, if I like a movie, I like it as a movie. It's not because it fits, you know, some some criteria of what a movie should be. I, it's 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 just a movie. And and also, you know, this kind of came into his kind of his personal radicalism with regards to sexual politics, and he felt that there was a whole lot of. Um, you know, a certain puritanism in associating guilt with pleasure. Um, so I don't even remember what he, how he continued that uh, contribution to film comment because uh, that, that introduction was so memorable to me. But then, you know, invoking probably the greatest film critic, Andre Bazin, um, he famously said, all films are created equal. And, uh, you know, probably his, his, most important co-conspirator or follower, uh, whatever you want to call him, Henri Langlois, the, the Cinémathèque Française programmer. The G. Yeah, he, um, you know, he he definitely believed in that too. And you know, n- no disrespect to you guys, but I think we can all agree, Langlois, the greatest programmer ever. Um, okay, wait, 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 wait. You're trying to say that we're not better than Henri Langlois. <laughs> Yes, John. Okay. Okay. Fired. Fired on the okay. That's that's bold. That's quite bold. Um, that is taking a stance. I mean, you know, I, I, you know, it's funny. I think of the film comment uh, column too because I remember that, that a, uh, a hero of both Will and I, uh, filmmaker Brian De Palma, um, said a very said a very similar thing an interview where he said, I feel guilty. I don't feel guilty about any of these choices. And lest Will and I get on some high horse and start talking about like hierarchical tiers. I mean, who are we to say? We're, we're, we're suggesting something with this. Like this is not, this isn't a definitive statement. This is not a joke at the same time. It's just kind of like, it's an idea. It's a question. And, um, we're trying to, I mean, we're, you know, we're not trying to be academic about this shit. Like we don't, we are not those type of people clearly. And, um, (laughs) you know, we, uh, we did this with a, um, with, with a love of breaking down certain assumptions, but like, we're not going to be the people to break those. We're just making a a program that's going to sell a, you know, a hype beast (laughs) shirt, uh, And, but, but we it all comes back to the shirt we, yeah. yeah it all comes back to will and i surviving uh with money um but <laughs> i think like you know 
like you take something like Itumama Tom being a dumb and dumber. I mean, that's a that's an obvious one. Like, think about that one for a second. Itumama Tom has fart jokes. It's got yeah. fart jokes. It's got two main characters who are lusting after one woman when they might be lusting after each other. Um, it's the road trip movie. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty obvious one. But then you have, like I mentioned how high in daisies, but then you have like Peggy Sue got married in Last Temptation of Christ. I mean, that's yeah, actually, can I can I just yeah. stop you guys for a second there? That's the one I'm most confused about because I've never really considered Peggy Sue got married a lowbrow movie. I mean, maybe lowbrow. Think about when it came out and Coppola's reputation. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, I mean, like we're not. Yeah, that was the one we're, that was we're, being- we're in that area where like Nicolas Cage is changing his name to distance himself. From Coppola, we're still on that, right? Because even yeah, that's yeah. Apocalypse Now, right? And that's late seventies, yeah. but we're still in that time where Nicolas Cage is sticking to being Nicolas Cage instead of Coppola to distance himself, because Coppola still has not recovered from the reputation he garnered after the, you know, the disaster being in the Philippines doing yeah. Apocalypse Now. Well, and one from the heart too. I mean, one from the heart yeah. really tanked his ass. So like. You know, uh, this was a movie that he made to recoup losses from that. And like, we actually talked, I mean, we talked the most about Peggy Sue Got Married and Last Temptation because we were all, especially me, very questionable of that inclusion. But like, the more you talk, the more we talked about it, it made more sense because like, it might be the skeleton key to this whole thing in a way. It's like, we're if that's a stupid way to phrase it there's no skeleton <laughs> this is the dumbest shit ever but like <laughs> we, 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 uh, we, we we saw that as like this is a moment like we're not trying to make some like yeah this isn't like a jokey thing like we're i mean yeah we have fun with it but like we weren't really trying to make something that like will garner laughs if you want to laugh you should but like Peggy Sue got married in Last Temptation also represents a, an, a unique period for both of its filmmakers, because these are two of the uh, Le Brat Pack filmmakers. You know, we all we y'all have read Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, you know about that. So, um, you know, it's Martin Scorsese and Francis Ford Coppola, like battling throughout the 80s and the excesses of cocaine and like you know, money just being gone. And, um, you know, it, it just made a lot of sense when you think of these two uh, quote unquote auteurs at this period, like kind of operating in a netherworld. And um, that, you know, Peggy Sue is, was kind of meant to like make money back for its filmmaker and Zoetrope Studios. And Last Temptation went through an incredible production hiatus so much so that he made uh, arguably Scor- my favorite Scorsese film, After Hours. All the best. Uh, in, the that, best. in that interim. So these That's filmmakers... That's the film he won uh, Best Director it came for, mm-hmm. After Hours. Yeah, so. exa- yeah. I mean, After after Hours is a perfect movie. Yeah, not There's a waste of a second. And yeah. uh, connection between high and low culture. You know yeah. who gave Scorsese the script for After Hours? Who? Dushan Makaveyev. Really? He was, yeah, he was uh, teaching a screenwriting class at NYU. 
And oh, right. after and after hours was his favorite uh, final project that he graded. Oh my and, god! And yeah. so he was just like, you know, Scorsese knows every filmmaker. He did. so he was uh, Makaveev and Scorsese were having dinner, and and Makaveev said, "Oh yeah, I gave this script an A. You can have it." And then. Fuck. I bet that kid feels like that's like a main character moment where you're well, just like you turn yeah. into it. And well, getting back to Nicolas Cage, that screenwriter, I believe his name is Joseph Minion. He wrote uh, the film Vampire's Kiss a couple yes, of years later. He did. Yes. Yeah, 100% did, yeah. I believe those are his only films of note. Wow. Uh, just those two. I mean, um, you know, get in, get out. Fucking yeah, <laughs> I wonder, um, Joseph Minion, if if you're listening, you what are. You, what are you doing? What's up? Yeah, hit us up. Tell us that story, man. Come, yeah, on you did, Come on the pod. Yeah, you did some good work. Um, <laughs> um, but also uh, with After Hours, I I mean, just uh, I guess this is kind of making it a highbrow movie. But um, you know who who wrote the ending for After Hours? Michael Powell. Oh, uh, that makes sense. I mean, that would yeah, make sense, yeah. Because uh, Scorsese, in the yeah. last like decade of his life, Scorsese and Powell became very, very close. And um, for a number of his films in this period, he would go to Michael Powell for advice. And um, he he gave Powell the script of uh, After Hours in an early iteration, and Powell basically rewrote the ending for him. And Wait, so do you mean the ending in that like Powell was like just whip the fuck around the office again? Yeah, well, not, no, not whip and, and around the office. The, uh, just like he should just. Um, I remember this now because I, it's it's the scene where he um, there was originally an ending for After Hours where. Griffin Dunn um, at the end of the movie crawls into the uterus of the oh, woman. Yeah. And, yes, yes, that's and, how it ended. And it's rebirthed <laughs> at the end of the movie. And then Scorsese was like, well, you know, maybe that's not going to work. And like, good accent. You nailed it. Thank you. I, that's not exactly like Martin Scorsese. Um, and he just kind of like, yeah, I, I didn't know Michael Powell suggested it, but with yeah, Oscar, Powell just said like mutual friend, just... you know, that was probably easy to make that connection. Yeah. I will say, babe, I gotta chime in here because Wikipedia, which is you know notably reliable for all, of yes, these, yeah, does say that Amy Robinson was the one who sent Minion's screenplay to Scorsese. Really? Oh. Let's bring Amy Robinson on the pod. Let's talk about this. Yeah. I mean, I'm going off of the story that Scorsese told in the um, in the book Scorsese on Scorsese. Um, it's pretty definitive, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Do we want to call? Are you call? Are we calling out Amy Robinson right now? <laughs> I, will. I mean, I'll call her. I'll do it. I haven't read. You're on notice, Amy. I haven't read Scorsese on Scorsese in at least 15 years, so I could be misremembering. But I know that that Joseph Minion was a student of Dushan Makaveyev's at NYU. Also, um, uh, Andrew Bujowski was a student of Makaveyev's. Uh, Makaveyev yes. was at Harvard when Bujowski was there. Um, 
I'm I'm sure Makaveev. Well, I'm not sure, but I would guess that Makaveev probably made more money from teaching than he ever did making films. Oh, considering sure. these places that uh, you know kept him on the payroll. Yeah, I mean, but John, what are we gonna show the Coca-Cola Kid with in round two? Great movie. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. We need to afterwards. We need to powwow about that. Um, Wait, is the Coca-Cola Kid? Uh, we'll show Coca-Cola Kid. Is it the high or the low? The high. Well, hopefully by part two, nobody fucking knows truly. Parts are we allowed to talk about? any of the double features in part two because i know about one of them oh yeah which one are you excited for ben well the only one i know about am i allowed to talk about it yet i'll allow it we'll okay we'll we'll Um, won't but i'll allow it (laughs) (laughs) it is um jean-luc godard's keep your right up and joe dante's looney tunes back in action Yes. So we know we know the Godard is the low and Easily. Dante is the high. That's a very clear delineation there. Well, it's kind of like Angus People and People will know Muschette, that one. You know, yeah. like Angus and Muschette. Muschette, you know, directed by Robert Bresson. Um, you know, notably a lowbrow filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I think history has proven that his movies only get more lowbrow the, the more you see them. So, well, um, I mean, there's there's some truth in that because you know, like <laughs> in in Brisson's lifetime, he was approached as like this this saint. You greatly know? Like, serious, yeah. You know, like yeah. people were afraid to talk to him. It was like you you would it it was like he was William Blake or something. You know. Um, yeah and i i I think since he's died we've found ways to humanize him Mm -hmm. um you know i think it's the last interview he gave uh, one of the last interviews he gave he famously talked about taking his granddaughters to seeing the new james bond movie i believe it was never say never again it was yeah and he talked about how much he loved it and thought the editing was wonderful and he had a great time and you know i i think fucking new that's like when christian petzold was like my favorite movie of the year is that that robin hood movie with gerard butler i heard him say that that i was there when he when he said that and he was like with my son and it was a great time no den of thieves is like low rent heat but it's still good (laughs) um I, but I mean, that actually is a great signifier of kind of what we were thinking. I mean, you know, putting the snark aside for a second, obviously, uh, braced on is a god. You know, like if, if I'm going to make my Mount Rushmore of, of filmmakers, I'm going to probably put Brisson on there. Um, no one, what's the point of even talking about Brisson? He's, he's, he's the, he's the greatest, but. Um, I'd say he's the goat, but really he's the donkey. <laughs> hey, oh, that's right. Yeah, it's really yeah. like all jokes aside, part of the inspiration for the Angus Machette double was the amount of people that I encountered in my time in Los Angeles who clearly were posturing, right? They were talking about Brisson films because they had read about them and they knew what to say. And genuinely, it just made me sad because I was like, no, this dude makes like dope ass movies for everybody. Oh, we like, talked a lot about They're that. not like, they're not inaccessible, like 
you know, we're not we're not talking about like fucking hard art house, like <laughs> insane. He makes yeah. great, like very accessible movies, and people miss out on it because of these like intense film bro gatekeepers. And that's part of why I think it was so important to include Angus and Machette because it gives, you know, hopefully anyway, I'm being lofty, I guess, for what we're doing, but yeah, hopefully it gives people that chance to not feel weird about not having seen a Brisson movie or not knowing what to say about a Brisson movie. And they can just be like, yeah, dude, I know Angus because it made me feel okay when I was a teenager <laughs> and it was hard. And then they can watch Ang- and like Machette as well. well yeah, I, I mean, and that goes that. with oh, Boonwell too. Well, I'm just saying that goes with Boonwell too. Like who, 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 you know, how else can you classify a straight up goat other than someone like Boonwell or Brayson? I mean, I guess the same could be said for uh, someone like Fassbender too. And I guess, you know, there is, we have a lot of heavy hitters in this thing. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if unintentionally that was because we were trying to level the playing field. And though Will and I certainly understand the importance of your Rainer Werner Fassbender and your Robert Bryson, like there's, um, the I guess the point I'm making is Bryson could go see Never Say Never again and walk away being like, wow, the editing was pretty good. And uh, well, I, I, I made Larjant, but I'm 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 just blown away by the formal aspects of the uh, 100th James Bond movie. Well, I think with Bresson, you know, he saw what he did is so distinctive that he didn't see any kind of competition with never say never again it's it's almost like like seeing a different medium like i'm i'm making this like living painting and you're making a james bond story and that's cool too mm-hmm. you know it's just like it's it's an apples and oranges thing well i think that segue is necessary i want to ask about we've talked about you know there are no guilty pleasures i feel like we all kind of agree on that um but i also feel like this brings this idea of like entertainment as inherently being lowbrow if something entertains you if it satisfies you if it makes you happy if it pleases you it's either lowbrow but if you're sad if you're challenged it's highbrow um i i like that this series kind of like combines the two to show that there are there are similarities between the two that can be derived from film and then enjoyed uh, in both senses versus like these stark delineations of like pure entertainment, pure cinema. But I also think too, like there's kind of like in reverse, like a devaluing of entertainment because now we all rush to try to like justify why something is great if we like it. We're like, oh, I like this TV show. So here's my like 5,000 word think piece on why like Secession is actually Shakespeare's Macbeth. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe it is. I actually haven't watched it yet. So it very well could be. It's but probably, I, well, sorry. It's probably not. Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, someone got paid an insane amount to write that. I mean, like, this is like, this is a big point of like why Will and I revived this, why Will and I um, had started a podcast of our own. I mean, we saw a crusade against the, uh, Oh God, that's not the crusade. Uh, we saw, <laughs> we saw that like 
you know, it was a simple like text thing where we hate uh, the way movies get pumped into the Oscar bait sort of like um, uh, category of like, it's not really about the movie. It's about how good your press engine is. It's about how good, how much money you spend. It's about how much word you can get out there um, in a very like political campaign style. And that was kind of where we revived this idea and we decided to kind of dust it off. Like I wasn't originally part of the original thing of it. I mean, I, I contributed a lot of titles, but Will and Mike really like handled the LA version of it. But then yeah, we just didn't give you credit, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Here's the thing is I'm on here talking about it. they didn't give me credit. For the original one. So fuck the original one. This one's gonna be way better. Um uh, but you know, like a lot of you know the world is getting to a place where it seems like these um these pr backed uh press releases about movies just seems to kind of dominate the web space and i mean look at the last year i mean how much should we hear about movies like nomad land spoil you know secret i'm staying right down the street from chloe's out right now um, she she waved to me from her, her garden or someone did um but um she sounds yeah good, but she makes meh films yeah yeah she seems yeah. fine she has a very well-maintained front yard i must say just don't, um, just don't her that's more than me so show, but you're still there man <laughs> yeah so, whoever you're staying with is gonna get in trouble if chloe hears our show <laughs> yeah she looks great she's gonna get kicked out of the homeowners association. <laughs> Uh, um so but i I guess like you know wrapping my my probably very could be long-winded thought up like i think like there's just so much bullshit with the way movies get pumped out there i mean and this is not i i don't think someone like janice is a problem they're buying things they're doing things the right way criterion collection does great work but at a certain point there is something in the world that says like, well, if it's not on Criterion Collection, you know, why, why is one Paul Verhoeven film, why did that make the Criterion Collection? And I don't mean that like this happens worldwide, but like, I think like there are hierarchical categories that you can create unintentionally. And I, that's no one's fault, but like at some point, those spaces have to be cleared. We are not the ones to do that. That is going to have to be, be on a much larger scale. But like, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, our, it's, it's a very small little tiny crumb of a contribution to try to be like, at least the city of Chicago. Like, can you appreciate one movie and appreciate the other? I mean, like, obviously nothing's going to rival the rock solidness of a movie like Rouchette. You'd be insane to think otherwise. But you might watch Angus and you might have a completely different, like, I mean, a lot of this really came from um, a lot of our later, our more outlandish ideas for part two came from the night that maybe I was under the influence of certain chemicals and I watched Keep Your Ride Up and Looney Tunes Back in Action. And I'd watched Keep Your Ride Up and then I did Looney Tunes Back in Action afterwards. And it was just like, there's something that's tying, it's not the drugs, there's something tying these things together. <laughs> and um, Will and I talked about 
It's the fucking spirit. Like that's spoiler alert. It was a drug. <laughs> well, it's, it was I mean, 100% the drugs. The spoiler is it's always the drugs, but I think <laughs> and John, you know, hit the screen. You know, like, yeah. Inter- interrupt me, John, but in my opinion, the connective tissue truly, like if we had to if we had to pare it down to one thing for all of this shit, part one and what will become part two, right? Like it's just the fucking guts. It's the fucking feeling. Right. It's that it's that shit where whether or not you can verbalize it or vocalize it, whatever, like whether or not you can get it across, it's the kind of shit where you, I don't know, you go to a concert and then you meet new people you've never met and you party for four hours. And then the next day you go to work and you don't know what it is, but you feel different, right? Like you feel like something has changed. That's the goal of all of this shit. Right. Like you just you you have a you you truly have an experience, which is a gift of a of a perspective from someone who made something. And after it, you feel different. And you don't have to be able to say why. You don't have to know why. You don't have to be able to write an essay about it. Just at the end of the day, you feel like something has changed and that you want to share that with people. And right, and like that to me, to me, that's the shit. Like that's that's why we're doing all of this. That's what it comes down to. Like just to shake everything up a little bit, and not to make anyone feel bad about whether they like the higher the low or they've seen the higher the low, or however they, you know, however they feel or want to talk about in either direction. It's just that moment of going like something, something clicked. And I feel a little bit different or I feel a little bit weird. And I want to show that to someone else. Like that's the, you know, that's the, to me, that's the genesis at the end of the day. Yeah. All this is, is just to get people to like, try to put it all away, whether it's posturing, whether it's pretension, whether it's like kowtowing to, you know, lowbrow or highbrow, like all that stuff at the end of the day, it's just, relishing in that feeling when you're like something changed a little bit when I did this thing and I want to talk to people about it and let other people experience it yeah I mean just seeing one movie like I guess if you're listening to this you go to movies you watch movies um you have to real, you know it's like it's a thing that no one really thinks about but you take in a lot when you go see a movie like you take in your temperament for that day. You take in like what you've been thinking about. You take in maybe what you expect a movie to be and it's not going to be. Um, I remember when I was younger and I, uh, like any young high school kid, I, I was into like Martin Scorsese gangster movies. I was like, whoa, this is cool. Yeah, and I remember eventually getting around to watching Brian De Palma's Carlito's Way. And I remember thinking, well, this isn't what I wanted to watch. This is not Casino. This is not Goodfellas. And how stupid of that, how stupid would I have been had I just kept that feeling for the rest of my life? Because now, later, I watch Carlito's Way. And I think that's, you know, along with a certain Cahiers du Cinema, one of the greatest films of the 90s. And I think possibly Brian De Palma's greatest achievement. Um, don't fight me on that. Anyway. That's Snake Eyes. We're... That's right. I'm with you, Kat. 
Yeah, Shout we're okay. It's definitely Carlito's way. That is on record. It's in the lore. It's in all the books. <laughs> um, but you know, my point, my no, Snake Eyes, yeah, Snake Eyes is insane. I mean, that's it's an incredible movie. But you could probably do several high and low double features just of De Palma movies. Oh my god, yeah. Also, Ben Patel, Ben Patel, and Snake yeah, Eyes. Well, ben Patel fucking slaps. Well, yeah, yeah you, the first, you do the like first seven minutes of that are pure cinema. Ben Patel and yeah. Wise Guys. Yes. You know? yes. Yeah. Well, he's Wait, the um, tell, them, tell them about how we truly met, which is because of a story of Femme Fatale while yeah. I go pee. So, okay. Yeah. 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 While Will goes pee, and I'm going to pee when Will tells a story when he gets back. Um, I also I, have to pee. So we'll all do this. Yeah. We'll maybe, maybe this is a sign that we're, we're reaching the end of the conversation. Yeah. We uh, might we be. <laughs> we can keep going. I mean, whatever. If you guys everyone know. just needs to go we're all excited about highs and lows we all have to pee um so no will and i i met because um i i I met will in person because um well before this mike and i the 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 two uh, the other guy the phantom uh creator of highs and lows who's just so cool that he can't be on this um he he and i were living together at the time And I remember one night he was like, you know, we were doing some stuff and he was just like, let's put a movie on. And I was like, all right, I got a movie that might blow your mind. And it was Femme Fatale. And this is not an easily impressed person. And by the end, I could tell he was questioning it the whole time. But by the end of that movie, he just, in his uh, day's stupor, uh, was like, you did it. That was awesome. And we needed to go to the end because the first part of that movie is like literally perfect. The first it's perfect. several minutes could just be this, its own film. And that in and of itself is like pure cinema. Well, if we want to call shots at Mike, maybe he's not the brightest of the three of us. Uh, um, but, you know. No, no one's going to uh, get this far yeah, in the yeah. podcast anyway. So we've got yeah, yeah. past people listening. He's not on here. <laughs> he chose not to come on. So he gets dragged. Sorry. That's how it goes. But, um, but Will and I, um, when Will came to Chicago for the first time, uh, <laughs> uh, Will, Will needed to buy weed somewhere. I was at, I was at, dude, I forgot that weed wasn't legal here. Yeah, right. After I've lived, it became legal a year after. Like I moved to Colorado and then it was legal and then I moved to California and then it was legal and I moved here and it wasn't yet. And so I hit up Mikey. And I was like, fuck, dude, I forgot. I, I'm not going to be able to sleep. This is the only thing that makes me sleep. Like, what do I do? And he was like, oh, hit up my dude, John. <laughs> and I was working I at Music it. Box. And I told, you know, maybe, hopefully, I mean, he might, Ryan might listen to this, but sorry, Ryan, if you do. But I was working at the theater and I told you that I had a meeting uh, to go on, <laughs> to, go, to go to John's apartment to buy weed he bought he came up and he bought weed and i sold him a no seeds no stems bag it was loud as af and um yeah it was the good stuff and uh, (laughs) that was my old business and um will and i just ended up talking for i don't know maybe an hour and a half about femme fatale 
<laughs> I couldn't get you out of my apartment because we were just talking about this movie forever. And um, I feel like it needs to be on highs and lows part two, but like it's the high. I don't even know what the low would be. Honestly, just show it twice. I mean, we might. I mean, that's listen. There's some weird <laughs> things. Unprecedented. We just show him Fatal twice. We have some pretty weird shit for part two. Part two is gonna challenge one. Well, but. you know, I was I was um, explaining to a friend the other night uh, who Alex Delat Glacia is. Um, and I said, he's one of those rare directors who manages to just completely obliterate the difference between high and low art, because, um, there, I, I, some of my favorite tracking shots of the last decade are in my big night where it's all about like following who has a vial of stolen semen and it's uh you know it's like something out of touch of evil but it's like the most lowbrow joke that it's filming um anyhow i mean that's our kind of shit like that's we love stories about semen being stolen like <laughs> will especially but um i think no, like, i like my i like my uh penile mutilation that's the i gotta say Part Will two. does like penile mutilation. He's texting me a lot about that. Yeah. The 10% has gotten to me. But um, <laughs> next time, I would love to see more like chick flicks. Because I feel like this yes, yes, juxtaposition of like, especially contemporary cinema directed toward women, um, which is often denigrated, uh, there is a lot to do with it. There's what an idea involving the movie Clueless. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, Clueless is. Clueless is a high, though. I mean, that's just like a... But that's the thing. There's film. no high. There's no low for us. Well, like, yeah, and Clueless yeah. is an adaptation of Jane Austen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what is your... Wait, Kat, what is your... What if you... Right now, like, on the spot, if you were to throw two or three that you would like to see paired, what would those be? Are we talking, like, fucking Sweet Home Alabama? Like, how hard are we going to have to work to pair this shit? We'll do whatever you need us to do. (laughs) This is is honestly, this is an honor. Um, I don't even know what to say right now. Uh, On the spot, you can do this. 10 Things I Hate About You? Yes. I Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Oh, all the 10. Okay. All the 10. We can can show Blake Edwards 10. Never Been Kissed? (laughs) Oh, Uh, no. She's the Man. There's a lot of She's the Man. Okay, She's She's the the Man man. we can work with. Yeah, so um, I'm a big never this fan. Oh, that's a beautiful movie. You could, um, Cruel Intentions, but I mean, that's just a high though. So, Uh, Cruel Intentions is too easy. We could come up with Cruel Intentions right now. Cruel Intentions is, uh, it's Dangerous Liaisons. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew. Yeah, but like, what's the filmic? Like, is there a Taming of the Shrew film that you would pair it? Well, I mean, there's also Kiss Me Kate, which is an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew, which is a fairly popular... I mean, but that's a double O. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also thinking way too much about it. I I think that's being too intelligent about it. Will and I have to, like, give up certain brain cells. Honestly, like, well, it's it's how it came with How High and Daisies. So literally, like, Okay, so my fiance and I one night, we were like, I'm "Okay, fiance." By the way, yeah, we have we hey, had. Yo, this you're plan. engaged. Yeah. How did I not know that? I, you know, I'm weird about 
life stuff because I'm nervous I'll ruin it. So I maybe don't tell everyone. He didn't. He oh, didn't God. ruin it. I still love him as much as the day we caught <laughs> we sold weed to one another. Oh my gosh! Congratulations. Thank you. You know, I think she's a fool, but I love her to death. So <laughs> no, she rocks. She's the better of you two for sure. I want to meet yeah. her now. Now we are just getting on a tangent, but. Yeah. Uh, a takeaway from this is that I need to meet your fiance. Oh, Let's you talk about that while I go to the bat. Let's t- talk about Wolf's fiance. So, so there was one night, right? Because it's rarely because I'm obviously not great at money or life or anything in that realm. There was a rare night where I was like, babe, I want to buy you your weed, you know, because she like she smokes weed like I drink. So we, you know, we balance each other out. Works out good. And I was like, I'm going to... That's me and Ben, too. Meg cut this out, but that, yeah, that's hard to do. <laughs> Just bleep it. Just bleep it. People love bleeps. Right? We've learned on Oscar bait. The more you bleeps. bleep it and people want a mystery, it's great. But so there was a night where I was like, yeah, let's, you know, I, I got you some nice weed, got you some good blue dream. We're going to get some blunt wraps. So we roll our shit up and we're like, what are you going to watch? And she was like, God, dude, I haven't fucked with uh, fucking how high in so long. And I was like, oh, I haven't either. I'm nervous. I'm a, I'm a little bit low-key nervous because I remember it as being so important to my, like, the tail end of my youth before college took hold. And we watched how high and we were fucking floored. And I immediately, like, the moment it was over, I hopped outside to smoke my cigarette and I texted John and I was like, dude, like, how high is legit a good ass movie? <laughs> but how do we how do we get it into yeah, how do we get it into highs and lows? You know, there's um one of my favorite lines of any movie is at the end of Daisies, and it's that title card that says this movie is dedicated to people who are um What's the exact phrase? It's like this movie is dedicated to people who are most offended by uh, a trampled lettuce. Yes. Something to that effect. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah. if you're yeah. so upset by a food fight of, of people, you know, acting in, in poor taste, you know, mm-hmm. um, good for you. You know, there's... Um, <laughs> There, there's so much to genuinely be offended by in the world um, that if, if bad taste is really what gets you, then, you know, you're not really paying attention. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. also thinking about, you know, um, a wonderful interview with John Waters, but I mean, what's not a wonderful interview with John sure. Waters sure. where he says, you know, like I'm just as comfortable at a biker bar as I am at a gallery opening. It's all the stuff in between that makes me uncomfortable. Agreed. Yeah. The shit in between my more, dude. That shit sucks. Yeah. I mean, can I ask? Can I ask? And you know, say no if you want, but just the direction of this, I would love to hear. Is there anything for both of you? This question for both of you. Is there anything in this series you don't buy? Ooh. Oh, oh, wow. I see. What you mean, like as either high or low? As either whatever you want it to be. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the either is or what you're thinking. Is there anything when when we announced this? Is there any of the double features that you were like, ah, I'm not sure. 
I am talked on it or whatever. Well, it was um, tonight. So, I mean, it was the it was the inclusion of Peggy Sue got married as as lowbrow, but we we addressed this. So sure, sure. Um, sure. So yeah, that's that's all been accounted for. I no, because I am my father's daughter. I don't know if you've listened to this this far into the podcast, and I hope that he doesn't. It's a papa. It's a papa. We've, we've said some stuff that I don't want him to hear. Um, <laughs> But my dad took me to see Battlefield Earth at the drive-in. Oh, like, damn. My dad went with me to see Where the Heart Is, and he liked it. He liked a chick flick with Natalie Portman and Ashley Judd. So I am I am my father's daughter. I, I will accept basically anything. <laughs> well, Where the Heart Is fucking slaps. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it is a really good movie. That's a good-ass movie. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Like, it is a great movie. Uh, Battlefield Earth, not so much but if you do want to play a drinking game how he says leverage so much in that movie i don't know why the word leverage is like crucial to scientology but apparently it is (laughs) they will hear this podcast they they will they will have gone yeah let's change the subject actually we want all registered members of scientology to please show up one i'm trying to get my meters registered i need them read i need to know if i'm if I'm good. I used to work. I used to work next door to those fools. My when I worked at the Egyptian, the headquarters where they did all that meter reading was next door in the fucking alley. Please oh hey, stop us. the presses! Um, I've been uh, scrolling through what just got added to Tubi because it's the beginning of the month. Oh, um, he loves Tubi. He loves Tubi more than he loves me. That's true. <laughs> and um, he confirmed of, on this call. On this heard it here first. Man, well, like I've talked to Cat many times in my life, and Cat doesn't have ads. How can you love Tubi more? <laughs> because, good, because good Tubi point, Will. is good point. the the last thing out there that reminds me of browsing a poorly organized neighborhood video store in the early nineties. But they I didn't have ads about myself also. though, too. Yeah, and also I'm poorly organized. Uh, well Tubi's just added a lot of stuff for february but big one exorcist 2 the heretic i love that Um, do not get will and i started on exorcist debate actually this is a good okay i'm not start the shit you wanted to start let's do it no no no. We'll, we'll we'll do it after ben's done Go ahead, Ben. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, <laughs> speaking of movies that obliterate the difference between high and low art, Exorcist II, The Heretic, because, you know, like, only someone like Martin Scorsese, who's seen millions of films and understands the art and all he of them. hasn't seen millions of films. Okay, maybe not millions. I'm, I'm being hyperbolic, but I'm just saying... Only someone like Martin Scorsese can appreciate Exorcist to the Heretic. You have to like reach. Are this... you paying attention, Will? Are you listening to this? Yeah, I'm listening because like, obviously okay. you know how I feel. The Exorcist one is the worst movie. Of the so, oh my god! Okay, all right. Here's the thing: Ben, Cat, Meg, <laughs> counts on this M effort. What Here the hell? It goes, are you it goes three, two. Three. three no no three is way too verbose it's a fine movie there is no. way too much dialogue in that movie that is a wall-to-wall script movie don't even don't piss me true I'm go but brad right dourif's cameo right is is really a thing of beauty that's right 
That's right. Brad is, Dourif, I'm not saying yeah. Exorcist 3 is a bad movie. I think Brad Dourif's it's insane, problem. It's insane oh. that Will says it's the first, the best no, movie. it's because, because look, I will, I'll be honest, and I will blame, oh, I will blame Marty. I will blame Marty for this. So in my youth, right, tail end of high school, and this is what ruined me for everything. When I listen well, to you're the, ruined for and, sure on this opinion. Yeah, but go ahead. Well, duh, come on. Yeah. When I listen to the interview slash commentary where Marty talks about uh when him and Robbie Robertson of the band fame lived together and they were just coked out and they were just watching 16 millimeter prints that he had and Robbie had, right? And Robbie talks about it. He's the lead in this article. He's like he says, what was annoying is I was like, man, let's watch this Ozu movie. Let's watch this Brisson movie. Let's watch this Burt Mueller movie, all this stuff. And Marty was like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know they're amazing. But what Marty wanted to do was show movies that were fucking shitty, except for like two minutes of them. And those two minutes were just truly transcendent and truly incredible, even though the rest of the movie was awful. And that's why the Exorcist series goes in that order, because that's how it works. <laughs> You're mad. Those moments, You're going off of Robbie Robertson, the worst member of the band. I maybe the maybe definitely the least talented member of the band, but maybe the smartest. <laughs> no, or, sorry, no, 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 no. Please, maybe the wisest. Maybe the wisest member of the band. Do you want to say sound opinions? We're. Well, do you want to explain to everyone why the first William Friedkin's Exorcist is rated so low? Because I think the listeners... Actually, you know... Why? Because the opening, opening 20 minutes are insecure fucking garbage. Well, how are they insecure garbage? It's a beautiful opening. In yeah. fact, no, your favorite not. movie, Uncut Gems, totally paid homage to it. I fucking hate Uncut Gems. <laughs> I do too. Will, Will. Oh my God. Yeah, Will and I are we, in... Yeah, that... You know... Sorry. I actually just I was listening to it while I Yeah, dude. Uncut Gems is good in the middle. The beginning and the ending are such trash that I don't give a shit. Well, to me, Uncut Gems... fine overall, but I just can't... I can't get down with it as, like, this, like... Well, but... Urban masterpiece that people think it is. No, I I think that that something that, that, you know, all of us can agree on is that it it pales in comparison to something like Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant, and well, for sure, me, uncut, that's just it has but, but, but no, no, I think what Uncut Gems is is basically Bad Lieutenant, but without the moral vision behind. I would agree. I would one hundred percent agree. I don't even agree. think that. I don't know. It's just. It's uh, all I would like, agree with that. I think you're being too nice. No, but yeah. like structurally and okay, doing the counting clock movie. It's a count. It's a time. You know, every gems is when everyone time is documented. No, Uncut Gems is what everyone on Coke thinks is poignant. Yes. And they come down. Yeah. And they come down and they're like, oh, actually, no, my drug fueled thoughts are not brilliant. And I'm like, that is Uncut Gems. Like, this, like, sustained, like, momentum ends up meaning. I mean, if we're talking about, like, a little more credit than that, but I would agree. That's why the ending, that's why, that's why, that's why what matters is the ending. And that's why the ending is so soft. And I promise it's not judgment. Speaking of someone who okay. spent who spent two sustained years as only coked out, right? Like I was never not coked out of my mind for like a solid two years. Okay, but, but where you formed your exercise in that brainscape. 
Well, that's why Uncut Gems is at best, at best, a soft success. Okay, but, we're not. I mean, if, if we're talking about drugs, about Bad Lieutenant is yeah. like a heroin-filled movie. Yes, but it's a great success because people on heroin make great movies. I'm sorry. That's true. I, don't, I don't know that Coke right does it. Coke is just like maybe Coke not. does not because Coke, Coke does not. No, because unless you're doing Coke. heroin and Coke at the same time. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. yeah. But, but like, I'm sorry, like show so me basically the the show me uh, one bad heroin movie. I dare you. <laughs> what other what other directors were on heroin? More than you could imagine, but none of them made bad movies. Okay, this is skirting the issue of why you think Exorcist 1 is so yes. low. It all comes mad. back and I'll fucking stand by it. Mad talking that is you know, no, can it's I... not because the opening fucking sucks, man. Oh, the first <laughs> well, it's a great opening. It's why though? What is it? What what purpose does the opening serve? Because it doesn't go for the gut. No, no, no. Tell me what purpose it doesn't go for for the gut it sustains a mood that eventually uh, builds to no the, know, the first 20 uh, minutes have no mood association with the rest it. no mood association i'm sorry to i mean you know what i'm sorry to derail this kind of file podcast i don't want to fight oh we've been derailed we've been derailed we'll do this off air <laughs> if we if we had a patreon this would be like our bonus paid content. we'll uh Will Megan, are you still here? I'm so in. sorry. Are you like? <laughs> I'm still here. Megan, Megan weigh <laughs> in. Okay, it. Megan, can you please weigh in on whether or not Will is insane for thinking Exorcist One is not an absolute masterpiece? Yeah, I would say one, three, two. But thank you. Yeah, see, that's the <laughs> silent majority right there. Okay, I only and as we know historically, that, that matters. No, same. Well, <laughs> so. With the first exorcist, um, <laughs> if I can just, you know, I, Will, you want to like tap, uh, 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 high five me in like WWE style? I can. Um, no, I'm going I don't to, like where this is going. I will, I will NWO high five you. I'm going to NWO you right now, bro. I'm going to, I'm going to, so you're going to get a stable will, hammer. So, so here's, here's like my, you know, uh, my personal response to the first exorcist. Um, you know, I first saw it when I was like 15, you know, very impressionable age, the age where, you know, it, you're most likely to be scared by a horror movie. And, you know, having grown up Jewish, the, the Christian guilt that is motivating so much of the dread in that movie was just so alien to me that I didn't find the film scary. Um, And I I feel like- about all movies with guilt, like even the conversation, the Catholic guilt, I'm like, it's just boring. Why why feel this? But I like, to be fair, I get off. I get off. I think of in that movie. Wait, but I get off on religious guilt, right? But But are you formally religious, Will? do you want to talk about your small town that you grew up in? I'm sure you yes, very, very, very intense Jesus landscape I grew up in. Okay. Wait, Kat, are you uh, necking an entire bottle of wine right now? No, no, this is a beer. Oh, it looked like it from my screen. It looked like you had a whole bottle of wine. I'm not that fancy. Okay. Hey, can we can we can I can I ruin everything real quick? Please. 
No, I'm I'm asking the popcorn you are eating. Has been <laughs> John, I'm asking the host. Film at eleven. <laughs> I'm asking the host if I can ruin everything real quick. Uh, yeah, why not? They you seem hate us? like they're really on board. And, anyone who's listened this far like deserves every you're gonna put down. So okay. Well, what I want to do, only because truly, and it's part of my tiny town religious upbringing. I want to have a difficult conversation. And from what John has told me, me and you, Kat, and you're someone, you know, obviously both of you I respect immensely. And uh, I want to have a conversation about Red Rocket. <laughs> oh. oh, God. No, no. You know, okay. Uh, no. You can say no because it's your podcast. You can say no. Is this based on the podcast or my reader review? No, this is based on John telling me that you were fired up and that he knows how much I liked it and that he said he was going to stoke the fire. And real quick, before we go any further, we can do this over cigarettes in front of the music box and we don't have to do it here. Well, you know, I, I love you and I agree with you probably <laughs> nine out of ten times, but Red Rock, and I, I don't dislike Sean Baker, so it's not even like a dislike for a particular filmmaker but i just i can i can't get behind it i'm sorry john waters could if, that i mean if if he's well, like john waters is a misogynist he all, he hey, but also i'm a woman experience. so when you talk about like uh, you know. yeah the people john objectified in the movie i'm sorry but john waters is a misogynist and that's part of why i was so excited <laughs> at this conversation wait so you you but you liked it though yes and he liked it and he's a misogynist so Will's a misogynist, I thank you. And that also feeds into his exorcist critique. And do you know who else was a misogynist? Maurice Pialat. But I agree um, about Pialat, but I like I like Pialat hates himself and I love that. I love men well, who hate themselves. As it's been said, why be a bigot when you can hate everybody? Good point. Or you hate yourself. Like then that's well, yeah, no, no, Pialat like, has like that yeah. self-reflection that yeah, okay, Pia okay. Law hated himself right. as much as he hated everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Well, now yeah. I'd like to I'd like to backtrack and I'd love to have this conversation in person with you, Kat. Yes. Oh, okay, then I'll then let's cap it off by saying because I, I just wanted to talk about Italian sex comedies and I thought it would be lighter. And because that's how I view Red Rocket, but that's not what we're doing. So let's do it in person. I mean, I love let's Italian sex comedies, but way. I yeah, no, we will. When hold aside a shirt for me because you guys, I want I'm I'm a hype beast now. I want the shirt, so please. I want a shirt too. Yeah, size. Hey, right, we got you. We got you all. Hey, wait. In lieu of all of this, in lieu of all of this, do the two of you, you know, like what do you? I would love to hear your honest reactions to anything you don't like in the lineup. No, I'm. I'm all for it. I Why mean, are you trying to get them to badmouth us, dude? They, they, no, they I mean, honestly, worthwhile. I'm going to go opposite and say what I'm really excited about. It's fucking Ed TV because I did not realize how much I thought that movie was great until I saw the trailer. And then I was like, I mean, yes. Jenna Elfman, Jenna Elfman is like a babe. I was like, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. It was a good clip like, choice. Can, can I yeah. ask say that Will I can't get Winter? down with Ron Howard ever since he, uh, uh, built up odd obsession only to to 
blow off the store. Do you know this story? I, I yes, I, please, I do know the story, but I would love for you to tell this. Story. Okay, tell okay. it again. Tell it again because the people need to hear it. So I'm not uh, okay. I, I'm being a little hyperbolic again, but um, so Ron Howard made a movie in Chicago about 15 years ago called the dilemma was was that what it was called? everyone remembers this movie yeah. they have it i uh, never saw it on their I, amazon account but there it. was um i it's guess the high it, if there's a high and low it's, yeah, it's, a, sure. it's in, a high that is never lost steam there yeah. there was a character in the movie who was supposed to work in a video store and uh, um ron howard's team was scouting locations for what would be the video store in the movie they came to the beloved no longer physically operating a video store odd obsession where I cut my teeth as a film aficionado. A lot of Um, us did. A lot of us did. That's where I bought weed when I couldn't buy weed anywhere else in Chicago when I first moved here. And, um, Cheers to odd obsession. That's what, that's what cinephile our website grew out of. Um, people hanging out at odd obsession, talking about movies. So, um so yeah yeah it's it's a place very close to all our hearts and um the the team for uh ron howard's film um spent i i believe more than one day hanging out at the store really yeah and we were we were all very excited so like hey the the store is going to be in a major motion picture you know And then, you know, at some point I just heard like, yeah, they called and like, it's just not going to work. So. Bullshit. Bullshit. And they blew it because the old space, you could have captured that on camera. You so you know what? Maybe the dilemma would have been a successful movie. (laughs) (laughs) My problem with with Ron Howard is that he's probably, I I believe in the conspiracy conspiracy theory that he's Jessica Chastain's father. So. Yes. Oh, oh I believe in that. I also yeah. believe in the CIA. For sure. Yeah. That's his real... He's a fucking slutty bitch. He just, <laughs> he just can't own up to it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. All subscribe to that. Best oh, Ron Howard movie? Probably. Oh, um, Apollo oh, 13. Cotton Candy. No, sure. Apollo 13. Apollo 13. So good. Yeah. No one read- else. I am surprised that the programmers of highs and lows would not <laughs> put a bat for night. I will say so. I I think back to the scene in Apollo Thirteen where her she has a dream of her ring going down the drain. Yes. And sometimes yes. I'm like, what if what if my ring fell off? And yeah. like, what does that well, mean about our marriage? It's that coupled with the scene shortly after, if I'm remembering correctly, but when they're uh, laying in the backyard in the reclining chairs and looking up and watching it oh no it's oh it's no mission to mars is the closest thank you thank you ben all right let's cut this bullshit it is cotton candy is good that's a great will and i are on the same page mission to mars oh because apollo 13 is honest Ron, ron howard is a fucking liar most of his career and apollo 13 he's honest it, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, Will's it, a big fan of Hillbilly Elegy. Will, Will constantly talks about Hillbilly Elegy as being like the film that he really connected with the most. <laughs> yeah, that's, wait, he, I was like, he, that was a joke, right? No, no, no. Right? He was really excited. He liked no, the movie. He liked the movie. He liked the movie. So, 
Oh, wait, 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 no, Ben. That's a joke, right? No, Will really loves Hillbilly Elegy. No. Are you joking or not? I, I can't, I can't tell. John can't is tell. joking. John okay, is good. joking. I was like, my, um, last, my last Ron Howard go to bat is literally Apollo 13. That's a good movie. It's, it's, last it's, yeah, logical order or just like last in terms of this conversation last in terms of everything i've seen man yeah no his yeah. movies generally blow that's the last that's the last movie that bitch turned in that gave me something interesting to do i would agree yeah. i remember being really excited for ransom though because i got to watch that in a yeah, and it's all cool. on pay-per-view Pulling up the only up, movie up. I ever got to like pay five dollars to did watch. Did he direct a Star Wars movie? He yeah. did. He did the Han Solo movie that I I, I remember I watched, like, watching. I don't remember a thing about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, Ron Howard's a great director. Um, and you're alive. Let's take a oh, look. A at, Beautiful Mind. It's not. Yeah, that's a really great movie. Um, <laughs> Cinderella Man. I don't know. I'm thinking about like hot men and these all have okay well i'm not bodies but look i mean i'll john can i call you but you wait wait well if you were asking so you said apollo 30 is last great film and then he directed ed tv so yeah what the fuck are you doing will this is our this is our livelihood bro that's (laughs) i'm sorry do you want me to lie (laughs) i want you to understand that like what you said was not true Okay. Because look, clearly Ed TV. Also, How the Grinch Stole Christmas is clearly his last best film. Yeah, let's see. We got Frost Nixon. We've got Angels and Demons. Frost Nixon. Yeah. Fuck you, man. Set we got the dilemma. Set on a movie. Hey, didn't we already say that like the dilemma is dead to us? <laughs> yes, but if we're gonna dilemma, <laughs> the final dilemma for Ron Howard is Ed TV because. He was curious, right? It's before Alan was a superstar. It's before uh, fucking Matthew McConaughey was a superstar. All this shit. It's the final dilemma before we're cooked. Wait, this is you- also, John, with like your series on like things that happen close together. It's like the Truman Show and Ed TV were like within a year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember yeah. that. Um, that would be in yeah, that No one went better. to see Ed TV when it came out because because it because it was a nasty. I saw Ed TV. Truman Show. I mean, Mission to Mars is a perfect example of this series. Like, what are you I doing, like, Mission to Mars? That's not. <laughs> no, I mean, like Mission to Mars fell into this whole thing of like there were movies like Red <laughs> Planet and all this shit, and it sure. just complete, it completely got will. Just drink the porter. Let me <laughs> okay, and I'm saying that, like, if we're going to talk about Ron Howard, let's talk, talk about his 1978 movie, Cotton Candy. Because, Will, this- I know we can at least come together on that. Obviously, I love you. Okay, all right. I love you, baby. All right, I'm glad I'm glad that we, we could settle the beef because Will and I fight all the time. I mean, we... That's why it's good. That's why, that's why good things happen. But still, Ben loves TV more than me, so I don't know that we'll we'll spend the test time with you guys. Will. Well, listen, you yeah, I mean, do you have, have the doc? I can't. You all are a beautiful like, couple. Will and I are a beautiful couple. We're yeah, just. Yeah, we should double date. We should double date. Will, what do you think? Yes, wait, Kat, are you? Where are we hanging out to talk about Red Rocket? Because I have to. 
We have to figure it out. Taco Bell. A Taco Bell cantina. Oh, yeah, let's go to the <laughs> on, uh, No, the one in... Uh, yeah, I know. Don't, don't, don't do that. That's... I need an alcoholic Mountain Dew to have this conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're I think you're joking though, because I'm not. I'm not either. Like I number one, I love okay. Taco Bell. Here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. Though Will and I are supposed to host all okay. The reason we're on this thing is we're talking about the highs and lows series in case all of you have forgotten by this point. Um <laughs> Will and I have to get up and host these these things. So um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna leave I'm gonna actually open the floor right now in front of one of these movies, maybe the lowest selling one. Cat, why don't you get up and debate Will on stage live? Red Rocket, Cat be Will. Hot well, that makes no sense though. Why in front of the movies that aren't that? Not <laughs> that. No, um, highs and lows is starting at the Music Box Theater um, the second weekend in February. We are looking forward to this series very much. And uh, you can read more about it on the weekly list at cinephile.info. That is C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E dot I-N-F-O. Thank you all for listening and we will hear from you soon. Cinecast is a production of Cinephile, Chicago's guide to independent and alternative cinema. Find us online at cinephile.info, where a new CineList is posted every Friday. We are also on Twitter at Cinephile, or you can email the podcast directly at cinecastshy at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really does make a difference in helping to support the podcast. Thanks so much for listening.